You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Hi there. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of the Clear Creek County News. My name is Spencer Wilson. We're going to get started with a story that actually I wrote uh, from CBS Colorado. This is called The Importance of Transparency, Covering the Defendants in the Christian Glass Case and Why They Hid from Our Cameras. Uh, This story is different because I was able to write it in the first person. CBS Colorado has kept up with the cases surrounding the death of 22-year-old Christian Glass since he was killed in 2022. As a reporter in the mountains, I, Spencer Wilson, want to keep attention on this global story. What follows is my firsthand experience at the latest court date for two of the defendants. As it stands, one former officer, Kyle Gold, has finished his case, pleading guilty to the charge of duty to report use of force and duty to intervene. There are seven other officers, some former officers now, still facing charges, ranging from a single count of failure to intervene to Andrew Buin's second-degree murder charge, among other charges. During all of this, CBS Colorado has tried to cover the case as it would any criminal case, including shooting video of the defendants as they come in and out of court. This video is used to tell the story, take viewers to the place where it is happening, and shows the people involved as they go through the justice system, while judges can elect to not allow cameras in the courtroom, as this court has done with the Glass case, public property is a spot where our cameras, like anyone's, are allowed to film. This is why when defendants Randy Williams and Timothy Collins tried to avoid our CBS Colorado cameras by leaving out the back door, I followed them so I could capture the video of them walking out to use in our story. Williams has been charged with duty to intervene and third-degree assault while serving as the Georgetown Marshal, and Collins is charged with failure to intervene while he was an officer on the Georgetown Police Department. Why does showing these defendants in our video matter? It matters because of what this case, these charges, and the actions of these defendants mean for all of Colorado. Previously, the Clear Creek County Sheriff's Office has allowed former employees to use its office as a means of avoiding media cameras and leave out the back door. This is not a common practice for members of the public. Now that a new sheriff leads the office, emphasizing transparency, those defendants are not permitted to use the back door anymore. I was standing close enough to hear a Clear Creek County security guard tell one of the defendant's attorneys this on Tuesday afternoon when the attorney asked for the special treatment. That led to Collins and Williams sitting inside the county offices and saying, we will just wait for that CBS guy to get bored. I, again, was standing close enough to hear this. Eventually, Collins tried to walk out a side door. I jogged in front of him to get the video. Collins turned around to walk back into the building. That moment is shown in our story. Collins and Williams then sat in an office for around a half hour before deciding to go into the basement for the county offices. I followed them down there. Williams then tried to get into a secure Clear Creek County Sheriff's Office door, telling me, this is a secure area, with Collins next to him. However, neither of them were granted access to this secure area themselves, as no one was picking up the phone. When Williams went to get extradition papers back in the courthouse, Collins followed him, and I followed them both. Williams and Collins then went into the courthouse again, and again, I followed, and then a side room where Williams claimed he needed to have a private conversation with his attorney, who was not present. I followed them there, too. An employee with the Clear Creek County Courthouse came to check on what was happening and returned with papers outlining a decorum ordering no video recording was allowed in the courthouse. But since I was not recording anything, just waiting for Williams and Collins to leave to film them, nothing happened. After speaking with the judge again, the courthouse employee informed all three of us we would need to leave the courthouse. After Williams asked for a word with me, Collins left the room but ended up walking right by our CBS Colorado cameras anyway, just waiting outside. Williams, after heading back to the county offices one more time, eventually walked out the front door, right in front of me, with my phone ready to record. All of this matters because of what this case represents for Colorado, 
a push for transparency both within law enforcement and the case itself. Colorado's duty to report use of force to intervene law or enhance law enforcement integrity is fairly new, proposed back as a bill in 2020 and officially taking hold the same year. Since then, the death of Christian Glass has led to one of the largest number of law enforcement officers charged in a case for failure to intervene. This means that Williams and Collins, as well as Brittany Morrow, Ryan Benny, Krista Lloyd, Mary J. Harris, and Kyle Gold are subject to the new law and how it applies to policing. Aside from Gold, who has pleaded guilty, none of these current defendants have a verdict yet and are presumed innocent until proven guilty. But the charges themselves are newsworthy due to the intended ripple effect that the consequences of these alleged inactions can have for all of law enforcement agencies across the state. In the interest of transparency and accountability, I followed the defendants. Accountability is something the Glass attorneys referenced too, as both Collins and Williams' cases were delayed. It is predictable. Kusar Muhammadbai said, They definitely want to go after former Officer Buen's trial, and there is some wisdom to that, but all they are doing is delaying the inevitable. He continued, They will have to face a jury here and eventually will be held accountable for not protecting Christian that night. Simon Glass, Christian's father, was in court as well, wearing pink as always in honor of his late son. While he had nothing nice to say about the defendants that day, whom he said he could not even look at, he did offer encouraging words to the new sheriff in Clear Creek County, who he met with recently. I think he has a bright future. I hope he can turn it around, Glass said. I think he has the right attitude, and it is a big job, but I think he can do it. Next up, we've got a story from the Clear Creek Current. This is called Clear Creek Fire Authority Asking for Community Input on the Latest Wildfire Protection Plan. This is by our friend Chris Cobral. A 16-question survey will direct limited resources from the fire authority to areas of most concern for residents. The Clear Creek Community Wildfire Protection Plan will be updated this year for the first time in 16 years. We want to focus our efforts in the areas of highest need and highest rate of return. We want the greatest amount of risk, reduce, uh, risk reduction per dollar, Assistant Fire Chief Jeremy Jones said during a meeting on the Fire Authority February 21st. Questions in the survey address concerns about fire mitigation, damage potential, and where in the county residents or businesses are located. The Fire Authority will use the up-to-date information and fire modeling to assess local hazards and identify strategic investments to mitigate risk and promote preparedness, according to the survey. Mission CIT, a national consulting firm hired by the county back in 2023 to look at the fire protection in Clear Creek County, returned a gloomy report about the services, full-time staff members, equipment, and current capabilities, according to the neighbors, er, numbers collected. According to the report, Clear Creek County currently has 10 career fire personnel and 15 volunteer fire personnel. According to Mission CIT, on a national level, these numbers are often not sufficient with average response personnel, and the volunteer response often varies. We do have a finite amount of money within the community in general for this program and limited grant opportunities, Jones said. Therefore, the limited resources need to be directed to areas where it will do the most for the community, Jones said. The survey is on the Fire Authority's website. It can also be picked up at 681-CR-308 in Dumont. Uh, next up, another one from the Clear Creek Current. This is Clear Creek Victorious Against Front Range Christian, Halting a Two-Year Losing Streak. This is by Heston Mosher, uh, special to the community, Colorado Community Media. The Clear Creek Gold Diggers managed to put a stop to a two-year losing streak on February 13th while traveling to the Front Range Christian's Falcon home court in Littleton. The close game's final score was 33-30, setting the Gold Diggers' season record at 10-9. 
The Falcons are left waiting for their first win of the season, holding a record of 0-17. to Front Range Christian has been starting uh, anew this season after graduating all their starters from the previous season. Head coach Tristan Mathis is focusing on, quote, the process of building his team by starting freshman players and working on defense in hopes of getting a win this season. Looking at the different defenses we need to prepare for, what we need to do to score, and what we need to be successful at both ends of the court by practicing with different guys in different spots, said Clear Creek head coach Joel Lominson on what is helping his team in this matchup and throughout the season. Uh, The game started slow, then ramped up into an uproarious nail-biting finish. In the first quarter, possession for each team was fairly even. Even so, the match remained scoreless until the final five minutes, when Clear Creek's Tyler O'Brien sank a field goal for two. The quarter ended with a score of 2-8 to eight as Front Range's Ethan Martin put his team on the board. Aggressive play began to emerge in the second quarter, leading to Falcons to enter the bonus. The Falcons scored seven more points in this quarter, one of which was a stylish three-pointer from Zach Wu. The Gold Diggers kept up a similar scoring pace, ending the half in the lead with a score of 17-9. to nine. The Falcons came back from the halftime break flying high and shooting threes, managing to take the lead with about one minute left in the third quarter. The Falcon defense found a way to hold the Gold Diggers to four points, setting the score score going into the final quarter at 23-22. For most of the fourth quarter, the Falcons held on to their lead, causing chants from the bench and stands, filling the sound space with chants like D-up coupled with foot stomps. As the final two minutes rolled around, the score was 29-30. The Falcons were unable to hold up against the attempts at retaking the lead when the Gold Diggers dropped in a two-point field goal. From there, the Falcons had one more strong attempt that just bounced off of the rim. The final moments were foul shots from the Gold Diggers, who both hit one of them, ending the game at 33-30. Front-range senior Caleb Ford celebrated along his other senior teammates, Wesley Marshall and Justin Keith, before the night's game in the annual senior night festivities. Caleb felt that they played, quote, pretty well stating that the game was, quote, a close game. The Gold Diggers played without senior Collins Hendrickson, who led the game's team stats in points per game, field goal percentage, rebounds, and three-pointers due to a concussion. Hendrickson was excited to see his team, quote, step up and do their part, and is honored about, quote, taking initiative to lead the guys this season. He's looking forward to playing college basketball. Uh, We'll jump over to another one from CBS News. This is by our friend Karen Morfitt. Clear Creek County transitions to 911 call center in Jefferson County Communications Center. The Jefferson County Communications Center officially took over answering and dispatching 911 calls for Clear Creek County Wednesday morning. End of transmission from Clear Creek County Comms Center, February 21st, 5.02 a.m. Jeffcom, you have the radio, the last dispatch call announced. Six-year dispatch veteran Katie Culp took over following the final dispatch call from Clear Creek County. Every day is different, she said. She's now dispatching calls from Jefferson County Communications Center, but has a history of working in Clear Creek County, allowing her to share critical information with the same first responders she's grown to know. They all have their own personalities. Even though we don't see them, we all get to learn each other, Culp added. The decision for Jefferson County to take over Clear Creek County's emergency calls comes from several feasibility studies and was made largely with cost in mind. We felt like this was one way we could really save the taxpayer of Clear Creek County some money and be more efficient with the way we do business, said Clear Creek County Sheriff Matthew Harris. 
Harris says it will also give them access to more resources and cutting-edge technology. They can pin down a call in one meter based upon the technology they have, and so there's always going to be some concerns and a cultural change and a way of doing business for so many years. But we are really confident that this was the right move, Harris added. While new for Clear Creek, Jefferson County has had multiple agencies under one roof for years. Jefferson County Communications Center Executive Director Jeff uh, Steerer says they have no doubt they will be able to maintain and potentially improve services for those in Clear Creek County. There's a lot of help sitting right next to you at times in Clear Creek, and not a knock to them, they might have one or two people on, depending on the hours and shifts that creates a level of hardship, and if something big drops... You need to know that you have enough people that can answer those calls, direct people to safety and security, and provide services to the first responders that are en route, Steerer said. One hand to celebrate the transition from Georgetown's unofficial mayor, Parker the Snowdog. While he was well-equipped for the job, call-taking was left to the professionals. It's pretty incredible. I think every single person in this room has worked very hard to become very familiar and trained up by this, Culp said. With Clear Creek County facing budget troubles, merging 911 services with Jeffco, it decided would be the best way to cut costs. And we're headed back to not only the Clear Creek Current, but another story about Christian Glass. This is once again by Chris Koberl. Jury in Christian Glass uh, murder trial will not see prior video of defendant Andrew Buen. Prosecutors in case wanted to show video of former Clear Creek Sheriff Deputy Buen working in the jail. In court documents, prosecutors and defense attorneys in the Christian Glass murder trial refer to a May 15, 2019 incident involving defendant Andrew Buen as, quote, the jail incident. A Clear Creek County jail video shows Buen involved with federal inmate Manuel Chamacho, according to court documents filed by Clear Creek County prosecutor Stephen Potts. In the video, according to court documents, Buen was assisting another deputy with an uncooperative Camacho. During the altercation, Buen takes Camacho to the ground with force. Prosecutors said Buen, quote, slammed Camacho on the ground with no obvious reason for doing so. However, in a February 7th ruling, 5th Circuit Judge Catherine Sherutz wrote, The court finds that the prior act is not material and not logically relevant. Therefore, Sherutz denied the request to show the, quote, evidential jury the video. Some 1,500 summons will start going out to Clear Creek County residents on March 1st in an effort to find 12 impartial people to sit as jurors. Additional jurors will be selected as alternatives. Schertz said that she anticipates the jury selection process to take at least a week. Glass died on the night of June 10th through the 11th, 2022, when he was stranded in his car near Silverplume. He had called 911 for help, saying he was trapped, and when officers arrived, they asked Glass to leave his car. He refused in what turned into a long standoff that ended when officers broke Glass's car window and used a taser on him. Buen shot Glass five times, killing him, according to the indictment. A criminal trial for Buen is scheduled for three weeks, starting in early April, according to the court's schedule. Uh, we have a story now from Out There, Colorado. This is our Super El Nino's Great for Colorado Ski Season. Uh, fresh snow for more opening days in World Cup racing in Finland. That's a strange subheader. Uh, in the winters of 1982 to 83, 1997 to 98, and 2015 to 16, North America's weather was subject to a strong or, quote, Super El Nino, an event where the sea surface temperature is at least 2 degrees Celsius warmer than average. The three El Nino events brought mixed total amounts of snowfall to Colorado's mountains. However, data compiled from Tony Crocker at bestsnow.net shows each winter season had a few locations more susceptible to super El Nino snows piling higher. Crocker, an actuary and st uh, stat statistician, whoo, 
uh, has been collecting snow totals from hundreds of reports since 1991 and compiled summaries for the first three Super El Nino events. He organized snow totals for the winter seasons only, December to March, to compile season, uh, seasonal averages during each El Nino event. The results show Colorado benefits from strong El Ninos with a couple of caveats. During winter of 1982 to 83, the strongest El Nino of the 20th century, a 2.8 Celsius El Nino plus, excuse me, 2.8 plus Celsius El Nino event brought to Colorado resorts, a basin in Loveland and backcountry accessed spots near Berthet Pass, high snow totals of 418 inches, 417 inches, and 362 inches, respectively. Several other resorts around the state saw large recorded snow totals during the winter months. Even Steamboat, having a low snowfall year in northern Colorado, recorded over 200 inches of snow during the three-month period. Uh, during winter of 1997 to 1998, the 2.5-plus Celsius El Nino event brought to Colorado Resort Telluride a record-high snow total of 232 inches, or 33 inches above average. Uh, during the winter of 2015 to 2016, a plus 2.1 Celsius El Nino event brought below average snow totals for several Colorado resorts. However, Summit County's Keystone recorded a high snowfall total of 295 inches, nearly 100 inches above average. Denver Gazette media partner 9 News meteorologist Corey Repenhagen uh, reported Friday a new climate model developed at the National Center for Atmospheric Research, NCAR, uh, is predicting winter 2023-2024 to be a strong El Nino, with the possibility of a fourth strong or super El Nino to occur in winter 2023-2024, along with looking at the historical snow total records from the prior three events, a pattern of places where the most snow might fall this season is slightly, albeit anecdotally, starting to shape up. Uh, anecdotally, excuse me. If choosing to ski or ride solely based off of an average area surface temperature, winter 2023-2024 might appear to look like winter of 1997 to 1998, where resorts Winter Park and Mary Jane, Vale, Beaver Creek, and Loveland became the best overall places to ski for the season. Looking solely at snow totals from the three Super El Nino events, Winter Park and Mary Jane, Wolf Creek, Vale and Beaver Creek and Loveland became the best overall places. Looking at the data for the three events, Crested Butte, Monarch, and Purgatory received the lowest snow amounts on average each El Nino. A broad-based conclusion from Crocker's numbers show the central Colorado mountains, Elks, West Elks, Swatch, and Grand Mesa ranges received the least amount of snow from strong El Ninos, with the Park, Front Range, and San Juans ranging faring bests. Oh, excuse me, ranges faring best. It's important to note that each El Nino is different from the next. However, even with the small sample size of only three events recorded since 1950, reports approximately south of U.S. Highway 50 and north of Interstate 70 and along the Front Range and Continental Divide could be the best places to ski and ride this winter. Forecast. Snow showers began rolling into Colorado early Wednesday morning with snow moving from the northwest to the southeast. The northeast and central mountains received two to four inches. The snow stopped Thursday morning, and sunny skies are forecast to welcome skiers and riders to an additional 2 to 6 inches. Of the four Colorado resorts open on Thursday, Winter Park, A Basin, Eldora look to benefit the most from the storm, as Keystone is further into Summit County and off the Continental Divide. Some fresh snow should be left over at Breckenridge, Vale, and Loveland for their opening days Friday. Uh, next up we've got, let's see here. Oh, we're going back to the Christian Glass case. This is from the Denver Gazette. Uh, this one's written by Carol McKinley. 
Two more officers involved in Clear Creek's Christian Glass's case. Prosecution resigned. Two more officers charged in the death of Christian Glass have resigned. Randy Williams and Tim Collins, which you heard earlier in my story, each charged with failing to step in and stop the 2022 officer uh, shooting death of Glass, voluntarily stepped down from the Georgetown Police Department this month. Their exits left the force with only one sworn officer. Williams resigned February 5th as Georgetown Marshal after 22 years with the force. Collins who was one of the first on scene when Glass called 911 during a mental health crisis, resigned from the Georgetown Police Force a week later. Collins was with the Clear Creek County Sheriff's Office when Glass was killed and resigned about a month later, citing personal reasons. The Georgetown Police Department has hired Collins amid scrutiny over Glass's death and promoted him. Georgetown uh, Administrator... Excuse me. Georgetown Town Administrator Rick Cooligan told the Denver Gazette that Williams and Collins left the police department, quote, in good standing, and that an interim marshal, John Gaskins, will be helping to rebuild the police department. The resignations are so recent, both Williams and Collins are still listed on the town's website as members of the Georgetown Police Department. Gaskins currently remains the lone sworn officer on the Georgetown Police Force as the town searches to fill the two positions left opened by the departure of Williams and Collins. We wish the best for both of them, Cooligan said. Gaskins is an eight-year veteran of the force, according to Curligan. Williams and Collins are two of six officers who were charged with failure to intervene in the death of Glass when he was shot and killed in his car June 22, 2022. It was the largest number of officers to be charged at one time under Colorado Senate Bill 217, the sweeping police accountability law, which went into effect in June 2021 after the murder of George Floyd, a Minnesota man who died beneath the knee of a police officer as other officers stood by and did nothing to stop it. Uh, Glass's death happened a year after Colorado's police reform bill was signed into law. Glass, 22, called 911 for help after his SUV got stuck on a rock near Silverplume. Collins and Deputy Andrew Buen were the first to respond to the scene, but eventually five others showed up in intermittent times and stayed as Glass got more and more agitated. One supervisor was monitoring the evening by watching his officer's body cam, uh, body-worn cameras. None of the seven on the scene stepped forward to stop the situation as it escalated out of control. Glass never left his car during this hour-long incident, at times showing hard hands through the driver's side window, which ended with his shooting death. Williams and Collins, both dressed in suit and ties, each had short hearings on Tuesday in Clear Creek County's court. Fifth Judicial District Judge Catherine Cherutz set their next hearing date for May 7th, and concerns that the upcoming April 8th trial of Collins' partner, former Deputy Buen, Ryan smoothly. Buen awaits trial on charges of second-degree murder charges and Glass's death. Buen was the one who broke the window of Glass's SUV, shot him with beanbag rounds, stunned him with a taser, and then shot him five times in the chest. Former Sergeant Kyle Gold pleaded guilty in November to charges of deputy to, re- uh, excuse me, duty to report use of force and duty to intervene. Gold was not on scene, but as a supervisor monitoring police-worn body cameras from home, gave the order to breach the window. He was sentenced to two years of unsupervised probation. But it was Collins who stood on the hood of Glass's car and pointed a gun at him, as seen on police body camera footage from that night. Through he never fired his weapon, Christian Glass's father, Simon, said that Collins' behavior terrified Christian and escalated a tense situation. Tim Collins has pointed a gun at uh, his, Christian's, head while he was in the car. I don't understand it. I hope he's going to say, you got me, I'm guilty, because anything else is just disgusting, Glass said Tuesday. At least one person from Christian Glass's family has been present at every single hearing in multiple cases against officers who were on scene when he was shot. Simon Glass, his voice breaking, said he still wakes up and misses his son. He has met with Clear Creek County's new sheriff, Matthew Harris, and is pleased. He's got a bright future, Glass said. I hope he can turn it around. It's the same quote you heard from us. Uh, sorry for a lot of the stories on Glass. Uh, a lot of stuff happened this week, and we will keep you posted as that case continues. For now, we're going to sign off for Clear Creek County News. My name is Spencer Wilson. Hope you're having a wonderful week.
If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777.